Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we talk about the big political stories of the week. Uh, my name is Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. In the Politics Weekly this week, we're reflecting on President Cyril Ramaphosa's State of the Nation address and asking if we need to maintain an event that seems to be nothing more than a political ritual. Our guests for that conversation are Professor Dirk Kotze, who teaches politics at the University of South Africa, as well as Professor William Gumete, uh, who's associated with the School of Governance at Vets University. With immediate effect. When people zone. And I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shit. Unquote. They put to saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Jefferson. Order, Jefferson. Point of order, ruling party by point of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The NC president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Welcome to the both of you, gentlemen. Starting with you, Professor Kotze, what was your impression of the SONA this year? In, in, in other words, as a South African, would you have been feeling more optimistic after listening to it? You know, the, the SONA speech was, first of all, a very long one. And the reason for it was because President Ramaphosa gave much more detail than is normally the case. Normally, Sona's speech, also that one of, of President Zuma and President Mbeki, was more about general statements, about general positions that they've, that they've put on the table. Also, looking back to the previous years and making a sort of a general assessment. So we became now, uh, sort of familiar with the idea that the Sona speech never provides details. And in this case, I think it's President Ramaphosa moved uh, slightly away from that in the in the sense that he went systematically through a number of areas, not everything, and he was criticized for that, but a number of areas predominantly in the economic sphere. Um, and then later on, he spoke also about uh, the security and the intelligence matters. Uh, but it was essentially about the, the economy and then linked to his notion of an economic recovery and renewal plan. Um, so this was, in essence, his, his, his approach. Um, but at the same time, he introduced new concepts. Um, and, you know, we are, have become used with the notion of that sonar speeches are used in order to introduce concepts like the African Renaissance and the African Agenda and the African Revival. Um, and later on, President uh, Ramaphosa with social compacts. Um, and now it is the, a, a new consensus which he added to the notion of, of uh, a social compact. And in the end, the, what, what I think what drew most attention, most of the attention and response from the opposition parties was this notion that he said, and later is now uh, in his response, he, he qualified it to some extent, but that essentially that governments don't create jobs, but the, the private sector does. Um, and based on that, which introduced in the sense of that he wanted to say, well, we have to reform the economy uh, in, a from, in a structural sense. And what he said thereafter was, in a sense, sort of setting out his reform approach that he wants to follow. 
Mm. Uh, Professor Kumete, having listened to to our head of state and commander in chief for the almost two hours uh, that, that that he spoke for, were you left uh, more optimistic or or more pessimistic about the state of the nation? I mean, going into the state of the nation address, uh, of course, the big for me the big issue was the believability of the promises, um, because you know the last couple of years we've seen. Every year, um, there's, there have been promises in state of, um, of the nation addresses, but very little um, implementation and then very little report backs of the previous promises. I mean, at some point, um, uh, what we've seen was that um, if you look back at a previous uh, a year before of, of a state of the nation address, it almost looks the same um, as the year thereafter. And then for me, the second thing is also... Um, you know, people are also, I think, because of the big crisis in the country now, uh, economic, unemployment, uh, breakdown of rule of law, um, uh, a crisis of violence, people are not very excited at this moment uh, about new concepts and new terms, you know, sort of the days of the African Renaissance um, or um you, you know, those kind of big, uh, or rather that we had recently also the, the developmental state. Um, and although I think the president, you know, brought in the new con- a new consensus, but I think that, you know, it's not very exciting for people anymore because I think now there is um, a fatigue, um, I think, across the country, a fatigue um, to listen to promises and the fatigue to listen to new concepts and new slogans and, and, and the rhetoric. People actually now want to see practical um, implementation and, and, and really practical plans that's going to work and, and more honestly, mm. perhaps. The whole concept of, uh, and, 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 and later on we'll come into the detail of, of some of the promises and, and how, how realistic they are. But just, just, just to go back to the whole purpose and, and history of having a state of the nation address, what, 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 what exactly is its purpose? What, what is it meant to do? Because it looks like you have it, 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 it's like it's become something of a of a kind of convention or ritual that the the president starts and then the premiers do their thing and then the cities do towns do even the smallest town you know wants to do this thing and then very soon we'll be doing it in their families you know having state of the family address so what, what originally what what was the concept behind this um, shall, shall, shall I come to you uh, Professor Kotze? Your recollection of where this came from? Well, this is a, it, you're correct. It's almost a, tr- a ritual. It is something which is done in most parliaments in the world. Um, in some cases, it is an opening of parliament uh, sp- speech and it is delivered by the state, the, the head of state, whether it is a president or whether it's the king or queen, the monarch um, of, of that country. Um, and, in the, and the same was the case in earlier years in South Africa, and that immediately after the state of the, the, the opening of Parliament speech, there's normally a, a motion of no confidence debate uh, that, uh, that's tabled by the opposition party. That is a simple, simply an annual tradition. What has happened in the, in the South African context is that more or less since, well, definitely since 1994, uh, it's not in, anymore in the form of a, of an opening of Parliament speech, but rather in the form of a presentation to Parliament of the program of the coming year of, of the government. Um, 
And it is the outcome of a process that has now become formalized. And that is that it starts with the 8th of January statement by the ANC, which is their party statement about what they have in mind for this coming year, followed by the, the ANC's NEC, National Executive Committee, Le Gotla, um, and and sometimes uh, also an, an extended uh, of, of, of that includes more than simply the NEC members, followed by the cabinet Lechotla, then there's the SONA speech, and then the national budget. And, and that has become the sequence of events. Um, we have seen it in, for example, in the U.S., they have the State of the Union address by the American president, um, which is always early in January. Um, and that's so, in a sense, this is following that tradition. It's the beginning of a year, and it is a, a, a statement by the, the head of state, um, which in some cases encompasses also the plans that's in the pipeline of the government um, and and present it as to, to the parliament, first of all, but to the nation as a well. whole. It is not so much, and that, that's in a sense a pity, it's not so much an, an assessment of the state of the country at that point in time. Now, where do we stand? What what were the achievements? What are the major challenges beyond just the party program, uh, the, the, the governing party's program? So in that sense, it's not an, an assessment and analysis um, of where do we stand? How much progress have we made? What were the, the pros and cons of the previous year's um, government um, activities and policies, um, but rather presenting themselves to the public. And uh, especially, in the, and then what we've seen in years where there's an election, there's actually two SONA speeches. There's the one in the beginning of the year, and then the one immediately after the election, the national or provincial and provincial elections, where the, the new government then presents or does the same thing. Uh, uh, Professor Gomez, can, can I ask you this? Uh, be, you know, it it's uh, it's um, I, I I'm not sure how how we as South Africans should actually be engaging it because it's a, a, a Professor Kotze says that it's a tradition. It comes out of a particular history, etc. But but it, it it still leaves the question of how seriously should citizens take it? In other words, what what should be our expectations, or should we just look at it like uh, like something that's just Happening, you know, uh, but it's not particularly relevant to our to our lives. That in the end we may end up actually not even listening to to the state of the nation address, you know, because it it seems to me the way it's constructed that it's a stitching together of many different issues from many different departments. You know, for example, the issue of uh, last July, you know, the unrest of last July, and it, it, it was given a couple of paragraphs, and that was it. You know, but there was no outcome, there was no commitment to to anything in particular apart from the reference to the to the panel report you know um, there's the issue of power it is referred to to say these are the things that are going to happen etc you know kind of thing but but it is all of that is in and among a whole lot of other things that are spoken about and there was the issue of uh, of immigration for example where there was speculation that there would be that the president would say much much more about where what direction his government was going to be taking in dealing with the problem but actually he he just scattered it literally you know he mentioned it and then he said well there'll be an, a, a list of uh, of uh, essential skills etc and then and then and, and the visa visa regime was going to be relooked at but that was it but so it looks like a, a a shopping list 
of issues which are touched upon, but there doesn't seem to be an intention of giving a declaration as to what is going to happen. Um, yes, um, you know, good state of the nation addresses or state of the union or state of the republic. I mean, if you compare it to other uh, countries, they're really good and effective ones normally. It is a bit of a ritual. So a ritual um, where the whole of the country comes together, um, they listen um, to hear, um, you know, a couple of things. Um, the first thing is that what people want to hear really is an update on the performance of, of, of government. Um, and the second thing related to that is um, what is the government going to do um, to deal with, you know, existing challenges? And then maybe the third thing um, for people to, you know, to make a state of the nation, uh, state of the nation address uh, credible um, is also to, to make it um, really um, um, it state of the nation, not state of the party or state of the governing party, but to make it a, a, a state of the nation. Now, what has gone wrong uh, with our uh, state of the nation addresses? Now, if you, if you look back, you think during the periods of Nelson Mandela, when Nelson Mandela was issuing his, I mean, it was the first one, remain uh, 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 um, 1995, uh, 96, those state of the nation addresses really, you know, um, almost galvanized the whole country um, behind the speech. You know, people were uh, switching on the TVs, um, they were listening because what he did is, well, he gave an assessment of, of where the country was at the time. Then he gave an assessment of what the government did and sort of assessment of, uh, of, uh, of where the government is going and, and what the government um, is going to do. And he also talked much more broadly, of, uh, you know, a state of the, uh, of the nation. So we talk not as, you know, Mandela didn't talk about a state of the governing party in government, but the state of the nation. So much more uh, comprehensive. And then during those early days, um, the state of the nation was uh, also, that address was also much more credible. What has happened now, the last couple of years, it has lost its currency because it has lost its credibility. It is not believable anymore because um, we've seen every year promises made has been disappointed. There's no uh, updates on the performances and there's just new promises um, uh, all the time. And sometimes it appears that it's a state of the governing party in government rather than a, a state of the nation. And often, you, you know, the real priorities of the country uh, in many of these uh, state of the nation addresses are not being dealt with. I mean, you know, our, for example, our real priority is um, the breakdown of uh, rule of law, unemployment, um, the violence in the country, um, you, you know, lack of um, unity um, in the country. So those kind of things, we, we are not seeing any credible responses to that or uh, in the state of the nation address. So that is why it is now beginning to lose its, uh, 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 its credibility. And then, of course, what also happened is after the, the, uh, the president's state of the nation address, we now see the provinces and the cities have their own state of the nation addresses. Now, the thing is that what happens is it becomes a bit of a circus because the provinces and the cities, they take the cue from, uh, you know, the national state of the nation address. But, you, but just think about it, the way our country works. Um, cities really get a budget which is constitutionally provided for and cities have local context and local issues. So they have to address local issues you know, informed by local context. But what has happened the last couple of years in the city uh, sort of city addresses um, normally 
uh, has been so much focus on the national state of the nation address and uh, where and and often focusing on those priorities which, which are not necessarily the same as local um, priorities which then meant that city um, addresses um, and even the provincial ones are often have also often also lost um, their credibility. Uh, 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 Professor Kotze, you know one of the of the of the issues that came out of the of the of the state of the nation uh, address, which which subsequently seemed to 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 consume quite a lot of airtime, you know, um, both in in the in the opposition's input post the the speech and in the president's response, you know, this thing about who is responsible for creating jobs. Is it not just a red herring, just a distraction to the real issue? I mean, that we spend so much time arguing about that. What's your take of that? Well, it is. one can look at it at different levels. You can start by looking at it from almost a political, philosophical, or ideological level, um, and then you can come down to, to the very practical of it. Um, and it is something which is has been a real contested area in in South African politics for many years. Um, And that really creates the political spectrum between the left and the center and the right. It's very much about, in the end, actually, what is the responsibility and the role of the state? Um, Is the state, on the one hand, uh, from a a, a sort of a social democratic point of view, is the state the the father or the mother figure of society? Um, Is it the one that must take final responsibility to uplift everyone, to be responsible for the development of everyone, to for those who, who cannot be economically active, to be care, taking care of them in the form of social grants and other forms of it, to be able to ultimately, if they don't have, uh, are not employed, to make sure that they become employed. On the other hand, the other extreme is to say, well, this is not the state's responsibility, it's the individual person, the individual citizen's responsibility. It starts with that you, from the level of education, then in terms of preparing yourself for a, for a career, um, and then becoming involved in and in looking at where's the best opportunities for yourself. So it is two almost worldviews um, that are very different from each other. And the ANC traditionally has been more on the left of the center, the more social democratic point of view. One can call it the communitarian one or the the one which says that there's a collective responsibility. It's not about the individual person or the individual citizen. Um, and what we are seeing now is, is and, and also the models, the developmental models that the, the INC have, has looked at uh, are very much around either those from the East Starting with China, President Ramaphosa referred to Deng Xiaoping now yesterday again quite quite a few times in South Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore, and all of those who were at the time of their developments not democratic states but single party states. Um, and then on the other hand are the, the models that the DA and the old National Party and the IFP and other parties are referring to of saying. It's more in modernization models uh, or modernization approaches. Um, and that's, that's, that's actually, I think, the big debate in South Africa is different parties position themselves in terms of their party programs based on 
on on where they stand on this polit- political spectrum with respect to this issue. Mm. No, I I I I was struck by how the the conversation went because it seems to be going uh, going on outside a context. You know, the kind of context that you're talking about, the background to say, for example, there was a lot of reference to China is almost held up as a model without saying that actually China, the Chinese government, partly the reason they are able to do what they what they've been able to do is because they had to take away some of the liberty in that country uh, to be able to move quickly, you know, in the direction that they wanted to move in. But I, I think that it probably, it's something that I, w- I, w- I would like us to, to return to maybe in a future episode, you know, of the, of the, of the Politics Weekly. Uh, Professor Komen, I, I wanted to ask the, the issue that relates to the, 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 all the undertakings uh, or you, that that or promises, uh, if if you like, uh, that 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 were made or that are made every year, actually, uh, in 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 this in the state of the nation address. Uh, in your assessment, how should we take them? How should we take them? How seriously should we take them? Uh, rather, uh, is the state able to implement any of the things that were being mentioned? Um, yes, um, the fact that we've had so many promises and so uh, very little delivery, I mean, that has actually be, uh, undermined the credibility uh, of the state's um, um, of the nascent address. So really, that's at the heart of people's uh, or the fact that um, the address doesn't have um, um, any uh, or very little credibility now. Now, the thing is, um, there's a lot of promises, but the state doesn't have the capacity to deliver. So many of the promises that have been made in the past, now the reason why it, uh, the, you know, it hasn't been implemented or delivered is because the South African state doesn't just doesn't have the capacity. I mean, it would be very interesting. I think it would most probably make it quite much more meaningful if the opposition parties, you know, every year actually have some kind of delivery barometer where they could actually measure um, the promises of the previous year and then factually respond to that, you know, that will make it much more engaging, uh, uh, engaging um, discussion. I mean, now the opposition parties, you know, they, they're making arguments, red-heading arguments and so on. But perhaps one of the reasons really why this, we don't have the kind of state capacity is the fact that of the ideological there's a really ide- ideological rigidity in the ANC among many ANC me- members, supporters, and leaders who think the state capacity means that it's only the state should deliver uh, development or services. Now, that is, of course, wrong. Implementation in a state involves all of the stakeholders including the nuns, the state and the non-state, so civil society, business, communities, and so on, they are all part of state capacity. So if you only have one part, the state deliver, we're never going to get a delivery. And that is why we have been struggling. So this is it's not even an ideolo- it should not even be an ideological battle. It's just a fact. If we talk about all of the developmental states, that the ANC and the president and many ANC supporters always use the examples, you know, whether it's Japan or South Korea, is what we call, um, you know, those developmental states, it actually the state involves business and civil society to co-deliver, co-think, co-imagine. And that is actually the thing, that co 
um, um, an equal, equal, not only just the state has all of the power um, and some, but civil society also has power, business also has power. That is actually the magic of the developmental state, why they have been, the, South, the Singapore's and the South Koreans have been much more su- successful since the Second World War compared to African countries and Latin America countries, where in Latin America, either it's either just a state is the only delivery agent and so on. So, I mean, I think that for me really is, um, from from a state capacity point of view, we really don't have the state that can, the uh, state capacity that can, can deliver on the promises. That is also, I think, why the president has been creating so many task teams, is, is set up so many um, um, advisory Teams. Now, the problem even, so he has created almost like another parallel government, but unfortunately, it, only the current public service can deliver. So even if the president creates other kinds of, uh, of parallel states, those parallel states can't deliver. The, the delivery can only happen through the state itself. So he's not dealing with the real problem. The real problem is that the state doesn't have the capacity. Mm. Uh, Professor Kota, the, the other element uh, that, that that came out, and you, you alluded to it earlier on, you know, the president likes to talk about uh, social compacting. I mean, you know, you said that he now, mo- you know, uh, modified it uh, by adding an, a new consensus. How, how many consensus is, is he looking to have? And how many compacts? Yeah, that we don't know. And but it it seems like that that is his that the, the general approach that he's applying. You know, he, he tries to to steer away from the, the idea that he must take decisions on his own. I think he's on the one hand is that possibly part of his 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 career, his history, uh, his, the trade union uh, as well as his history as as a negotiator, which is by all processes of consultation, of bringing teams together, to have a team that actually present of or uh, uh, come together with those that they are dealing with, whether it's um, businesses on the other end that they negotiate with or other political parties. So that's ingrained. I would say it's almost his DNA, is that he sees this as the best way of doing it. At the same time, given the fact that he came into the ANC uh, as ANC president in 2016 with such a small majority, meant that he he had to be very careful about his own position, given the fact that his two predecessors both couldn't complete their their terms ultimately. Um, And I think what he was saying is, is I'm going to use an, an, an approach which will be safe for me, and ultimately, I can use all these instruments that I can create, like commissions and panels and, and, and other sort of groups of assistants and advisors, and then let them do the work. And once they come to a conclusion, the Zondo Commission is possibly the most classic one of them, then I can have the justification to take my decision and not to be seen as if it is a political decision, but rather a decision that will justify uh, by others and recommended by others who are not involved in party politics. Um, and then I can take that decision and implement it, and I don't set myself up as a political target. I don't know if this is, 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 is actually his approach that, is, uh, that he thinks for himself this is, but from the outside it looks like this is what he's doing. Um, and in the process now, he, for example, the way in which he, he changed the leadership in the criminal justice system, in the NPA, and in the 
uh, in the police and in well not so much the police but uh, other, the uh, other the special investigative unit the way in which it turned around ultimately serves provides some successes um but I think some of the big issues are actually those that affect his party directly. And that means the government, the ministers, the cabinet, where he does, he's not yet in a position where he can use alternatives in order to justify the moves that he wants to make. Hey, Professor Kumete, the, la- the last word is going to go to you. Is the president leading from the front, from the back, or from among the crowd? I think clearly the president is leading um, from the crowd. I don't even want to say that he's leading from um, behind. Um, I think he's within the crowd and, and he sort of seems to be following um, um, the crowd um, and so on. I mean, I, and, and that is a problem. You know, when you in a critical state that we are now, um, you know, we're in an emergency of our country. Uh, we're the biggest crisis, you know, of in, in generations. Uh, then we really need leadership from, you know, at the front. I mean, the country is uh, adrift. Um, so the president cannot be among the crowd because the, the, the crowd doesn't know where they're going. Um, you know, the, the crowds are confused. The crowds, many of them are stuck in the past and ideologies of the past and ideas of the past. Um, people are lost. Uh, people are directionless. So uh, what, what we now need from the president is to lead from the front, um, you know, and, and, and to take us to the, you know, to the promised land. Um, what really practical and very and pragmatic and, and, and very clear um, 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 policies um, and to back it up, um, I think, with energy also, because also, you know, the country needs energy. Any, every country needs, uh, you know, the, a, a president to give us a sense of energy, a sense of hope, a sense of direction. Now, if the president is among the crowds, we're not getting that. Okay. Uh, gentlemen, unfortunately, it looks like we've just about run out of time. So that that's all the time we have for, uh, this week on the on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly. And I'd like to thank you very much for, for your time, for joining us uh, on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly this time round. Um, and by the way, uh, for a podcast of this conversation, you can go to iono.fm, to Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you prefer to source your podcasts. Until next time, do remember to stay safe, sanitize, wear that mask, and avoid crowded places. I'm Mike Siluma, signing off.